are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 30th of July. The summer interview series begins with Salt Lake Tribune's Tony Jones, plus the Facebook group that just keeps growing. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing great. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers to let you know what's going on in the NBA. All right, here's what we're going to do for the July-August dead period. There's nothing going on in the league. Most of the execs are traveling. No one can get a hold of anyone, and poor Rodney Hood's still unsigned. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down for extended conversations with members of the media. So this week it's Tony Jones. Uh, might be David James next week. Might, who knows? We'll just, you know, Tony Parks. Um, whomever. Gordon Monson. Andy Larson, now Salt Lake Tribune beat writer. All these guys for, for this next period of time. And what we'll do is then I'll break the interview into portions. So today you'll get parts one and two with Tony. And then Wednesday you'll probably get three and four. And then Friday you'll get. Uh, or Thursday or Friday. And then occasionally we'll do some live shows. Um, so that's the plan for the month. And keep content for you, but probably not going to just go every day. Is that, there's just, you know. Uh, and I'll do some stuff. I'll do my pack ratings and we'll do some other things. And news will come out. And we'll always do this first segment together with whatever news might be out there. SI will come out with their top 100. And Kevin Pelton will come out with his real plus minuses. And something will happen because it's the NBA. I want to thank everybody who's joined the uh, Locked on Jazz Facebook group. Uh, We're we're clicking toward 900 to 1,000 people, uh, which is really pretty incredible. I can't thank you enough for that. And the discussion already has been great. I mean, absolutely great, along with an Ennis Cantor video. And that's where I wanted to start the conversation today. Uh, really interesting piece posted up uh, by one of our listeners about how the Quinn Snyder coached basketball teams for the Jazz have gotten better as seasons go on. And it's not something that I had thought of a great deal. Um. But it was kind of an interesting look at things. Um, There's been a lot of really, really good pieces in here. So if you kind of look at what the Jazz have done each of the following years with, and some other people put up some good posts, under Snyder, Dustin Turner posted this. First year when we were only 38-win team, we went 21-11 and in the finish. Uh, and he cherry picks a little. He takes 32 games here. He takes a 21 and 17 close in the 15 16 season. 16 17, we finished 17 and 9. And then obviously last year, 29 and 6. And what gets interesting about this is what it means for the Jazz when they have what looks to be the same starting lineup returning for the second straight year. That, uh, that, I think, jumps out more than maybe anything else is that when you – now you have Quinn Snyder coaching a group with his intricate system, and Tony and I will talk about this, 
uh, coming up on the show of that now is it possible that the Jazz hit the ground running? The other thing that happened last year that didn't get a lot of talk is when we moved the start of the season up and started on October 18th instead, a lot of players, particularly veteran older players who've been doing the same thing the whole time, suddenly had a hard time getting ready. If you kind of, David West struggled, Andre Gudala struggled, um, Joe Johnson struggled, he struggled all year. That broke the system of some of the older players. And it also, I think when you, Oklahoma, at least the talking point out of Oklahoma City is that Carmelo didn't have enough time to integrate. That very well may be the case as well. So I think, you know, that's a really, really good point brought up by Dustin. And another reason why the continuity that the Jazz are going to have this year gives them a little bit more of an edge than maybe um, they would have otherwise. Another vote for that continuity. And it will be the first time that Quinn Snyder starts the same starting lineup back-to-back years. I'm not sure that anybody else in the league is going to change, uh, is going to bring back the same starting lineup. At least that's my thought. As I kind of run through it, and we've had some wacky starting lineups. I posted this on the Facebook group as well, that if you kind of run through Quinn's history and you look at the starting lineups, they're surprising. Now, we'll have the same starting lineup only because Rodney got gastric distress and Donovan ended up being forced into the starting lineup that day. That wasn't exactly how it was intended, but that's what happened, and soon enough, that's what it was. Uh, I asked you also, who were you most excited to have back? 190 votes for Derek Favors, 99 for Exum, 20 for Tabo, 11 for Ahul, and 7 for Epe Udo. Another poll question thrown up there was by Colby MacArthur, who wanted to know where people have the Jazz finishing. Uh, Nobody has the Jazz finishing lower than 6th. 69 votes for third, 56 votes for fourth, 10 votes for second, seven for fifth, and fourth for sixth. I would guess if we hold the same poll as we get closer to the season, people will get just natural human instinct. People will get more excited, if that makes sense. People will, the if, if right now it's, third and fourth, it will be second and third by the time the season starts. As Make us wait another month. We'll get even more excited and fired up for the possibilities of what might be happening this season. So great interaction on the new Facebook group uh, Locked on Jazz. Thank you very much for everybody uh, being involved in that and uh, if you want to join in uh, I think you just have to request it and then I've got to approve you. So uh, hope that works. I look forward to having you aboard on that. Tony Jones coming up. We'll start off talking about bringing the whole group back, how it played out, and then we'll talk uh, more about Derek Favors uh, and his relationship there and and Derek's decisions. Uh, In today's episode, uh, Wednesday's episode this week, we'll talk about Exum and Grayson Allen and Donovan. And then uh, the third day, we'll talk about Rudy, Rubio, and uh, the NBA as a whole. That's all coming up with Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune here on Locked on Jazz. All right, joining us is Tony Jones, Salt Lake Tribune, jazz beat writer. Tony and I have great basketball conversations. I think everyone thinks that we're all over each other on Twitter all the time. We don't see the game the same way. That doesn't mean we don't like each other, right? Right, Tony? We're friends, right? That is that is the like the most hilarious thing ever. Like people think that we um that that we don't like each other and really nothing could be further from the truth. We don't see the game the um, same way, right? 
No, we don't see the game the same way. I think um, I, I, th- I think at the core root of our perceived dislike was 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 our the way we saw the way we saw belly. We we saw we saw we saw the belly situation in in two different in two different realms. Let's. There's probably a few of them, but it's I, you know that's the fun part about it. My favorite one was when I talked about how if I ever became a which would never happen, but if I ever ran a team, I'd hire you because I want dissenting point of views, but you'd be the one leaking all the information about everything we're screwing up. <laughs> yes, that one. That, was, that one was actually classic. Yeah. I like that one. All right, let's get, let's get to the fun stuff. So the Jazz hold Pat. They very likely will start the exact same starting lineup because Rodney Hood had gastric distress, but still the exact same starting lineup last year that they did on opening night. Are, are you surprised by this? No, I'm not surprised by it at all because um, once the, you know, I think that they kicked the tires on really briefly on Paul George, um, they realized, you know, at least a couple of weeks before free agency that that wasn't going to happen. Um and, and, and once they realized that, that Paul George wasn't going to happen, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody out there uh, realistic um, that was a realistic get that you could uh, make an argument that you could bring in that that would that would make this team uh, a better team. So I think that you know the way that they went, uh, I think I think the way they went, I think that I think that people knew uh, which way that was going to go um, at least a couple of weeks before free agency started. Um, and, and I think that the only way that this team would have changed uh, is is had they lost Derek Favors uh, or or Dante Exum. I mean, they weren't going to lose Exum because they had team control. Uh, but I think once they got Favors back, I think that everything kind of fell in place. All right, let's we'll go through that in a minute. But let's go. Uh, you bring up an interesting point. So your your feel as as it's the free agency's over right now we can look back now and say wow Aaron Gordon went full and Jabari did this and the, Kevin Love signed the extension and we can look back now and say wow the, there were really a lot of options all the things we talked about none of them really became available you think the jazz knew that well before July 1 yeah i think they knew that well i think they knew that well before July 1st I mean, you're not going to. I mean, Jabari Parker got twenty million dollars. You're not going to, you know, renounce uh, Dante Exum and, and Derek Favors and, and and key pieces um, for a team that that was really successful in the second half of the season uh, just to just to try and sign Jabari Parker. I mean, that just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, there, a lot of the moves that you know they could have made, it would have it would have it would have required them renouncing uh, people that it, it just didn't make any sense. I mean, you might as well have just uh, gone ahead and re-signed the core of your team and, and, and ran it back, so to speak. So um, I, I think the only guy that was out there that you really go ahead and move mountains for uh, was Paul George. And once that, that wasn't going to happen, uh, then, then you just kind of stand pat. If you were in a meeting in the Jazz brass uh let's call it june 15th so pre-draft pre-free agency and maybe even june one and they were all right evaluate really where we stand 
Where, where do you think this team stands? Do you look at them as just the Rudy Gobert return group that was maybe the third best team in the NBA there to close the year? Do you, one of five teams that's been to the second round of the playoffs two years in a row. Where do you? How do you look at this team before free agency and obviously as they sit now because they're the same? Well, I looked at it. You know, you look at this team, and 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 I think that you 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 kind of evaluate where they ended up, um, which was okay. So they went twenty nine and six over the last half of the season, and then they won the first round of the playoffs against uh, Oklahoma City, and they looked, City, and they looked really good there. Uh, but they ran into uh, a glass ceiling with with, with the Houston Rockets. Um, and they didn't look great in that series. Uh, it was a five-game series. It was a gentleman sweep. You know, the Rockets really didn't expend a lot of energy uh, and putting it, putting putting the Jazz away. And then you add, you ask yourself a question: If you bring this team back, how close do you get to that ceiling? How close do you get? How close can you get to the Rockets? You know, what happens around you in the Western Conference? Uh, how much better does the West get around you? Um, can't, is that 29 and 6, is that sustainable um, over a full season? Probably not. Um, but, you know, are you the third best team in the West if you bring this group back? And, and I think that, you know, uh, I think that most of the, the questions that I think that the Jazz had to answer, um, they felt comfortable enough with, with bringing this group back. You know, I'm not, I think if you if you bring this group back, you know, there's no acclimation period as there was last year um, with this group. Um, I think, you know, you can reasonably say that, you know, Donovan Mitchell will get better. Uh, Dante Exum has a chance to get better. Royce O'Neal has a chance to get better. You know, Jay Crowder and Ricky, uh, and Ricky Rubio have a chance to get better as they get more comfortable within the scheme and the system. Um, so I think that you look at this group and you say, okay, there's, there's reasonable upside here. Um, and you know, it's worth, uh, bringing this group back and and trying to make another run, um, in the Western conference, especially as golden state, not only stayed the same, but kind of got better. So, you know, I think that, you know, there's enough positive, uh, signs, um, throughout throughout the roster that I think that you're comfortable with bringing the, the exact same roster back. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show uh, today, but we launched the new uh, Locked on Jazz Facebook group, uh, Facebook group for fans to talk, and they've already brought up a bunch of great points. One of them was how good Quinn Snyder's teams have been in the second half of seasons so far uh, under Quinn. Do you think there's something to that, and do you think that that is part of the reason for the continuity? I think there is something to it because I think that, you know, Quinn's system is, you know, is, 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 is a twofold, it's a twofold answer. You know, every year um, of, of this, uh, of, of Quinn's regime, you know, the, the core of the team has, has changed a little bit. Um, you know, they've brought people on, you know, Gordon Hayward left one year. I mean, they, they've, they bought in Joe Johnson another year. I mean, they've bought in different pieces that have had to acclimate themselves uh, to the system. And Quinn's system is is intricate in in parts. The the offense is intricate in a lot of in a lot of its scheme. Um, so I think that 
you know, there's there's periods where you have to get used to 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 this this periods where you have to get used to the offense, you have to get used to the defense. Um, I think that um, you know, there were there have been different personalities bought into the locker room. Um, but this I think this is the first time I think, you know, this is off the top of my head, but I think that this is the first time where you know, this team is going to stay, you know, largely the same. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see uh, if this team can hit the ground running in the first half uh, and, and not only that, but keep it up over an 82-game period. Now, I mean, there's it's really going to be interesting because, to, I mean, Quinn is, does run an intricate system, does run a lot of – so much of their stuff is reads and understanding. So much of what I thought was so brilliant about this team last year was their communication on the floor. And it's going to be fascinating to see if they can hit the ground running. It's a testament to what they've built with inside their culture. But it's also something that I think is a – I don't want to call it risky. It's just not something I've ever seen – done in this league before because guys leave in the offseason and they have so many voices and so many people around them that they come back different people. I mean, Rodney Hood's the best example I've ever seen, right? Rodney Hood last year with Utah Jazz was not the same guy we've ever seen there before. No, not at all. And I think that I think that what happened with Rodney last year was you know, really unfortunate. And, and I think you know, there was a really, there was a real change um, in him last year. And, you know, and, and I'm not unsympathetic to, to what Rodney went through. I mean, I thought that, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him. I think that the pressure mounted uh, as the season progressed. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, the pressure, that pressure got to him. I mean, you know, I, I've we've both known Rodney for, you know, three plus years, you know, when have, I mean, I I was kind of floored at what happened in Washington uh, when he knocked the the cell phone out of the fan's hand. I mean, that was just completely, you know, just completely out of the character that we've seen from him. Um, I remember when that happened um, within within a few days of that happening, I mean, I got a call from one of his his, uh, reps. And, you know, I was talking to one of his reps and we were talking like, hey, this is that was just not him. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, the, the the pressure of being in a contract year uh, combined with, you know, the pressure that the internal pressure that Donovan put on him, um, I think that it led to some, some unfortunate um, decisions uh, that Rodney made. Now, as the season progressed, uh, that led to him being traded. Are there those risks for the Jazz coming up this season? We'll talk about that more when we continue with Tony. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Tyson and the crew out in Woods Cross. Chevy's doing amazing things. And the month of July about to end, and he has some incredible deals for you. I am driving the Colorado right now, and I've got the diesel. It's been kind of... The perfect summer car. Loved it. I think I've told you I drove the Silverado during the winter. Enjoyed that as well. But this has been this has been super cool. So here's something you should know. 2.47% financing is going on right now with the Murdoch days of 2.47% financing. So you want to get that. That's this month only. That's about to run out. Any new or used vehicle, 2.47%. Any new or used. That's with Golden West Credit Union. 
$11,000 off the 2018 Silverado LT Crew Cab. That Silverado is the poshest, awesomest, greatest car. And then the Colorado Crew Cab is just three forty nine dollars a month lease. So if you're talking about a truck, Chevy's got the best lineup of trucks, top to bottom, diesels, great pull, best value for the dollar, all of it. And it's at Murdoch Chevy in Logan and in Woods Cross. You can get started at MurdochChev.com. And anytime you deal with the Murdochs, you're dealing with that 92-year relationship, relationship with the state of Utah. And you get car washes for life, safety inspection for life, five-day exchange policy, and the famous price match guarantee. So go check it out in Logan or in Woods Cross and find new roads at Murdoch Chevy. So we just talked about Rodney Hood. I, I do I do always feel that you know these guys go to the offseason, contracts change, people talk to them, they want different roles. Is this group unique that it should not be restricted to that or do you see areas where you're concerned about that? You know, I, I think that you see areas where um, you could be concerned about that, um, but I think that, you know, I think that this group is, is a solid enough group um, that, um, that, that that I think that this group knows what their role is going to be. I mean, I think, you know, that's that's why the Jazz waved Jonas Jarepko, correct? Because Jonas was the one veteran um, that had expressed uh, his desire to play more uh, to, to Quinn Snyder. And he did it. So, so you know, when he did it, you know, those questions were kind of answered for him, um, uh, for Quinn Snyder, you know, in terms of Jonas, uh, because, you know, then Rudy Gobert got hurt, then Derek Favors got hurt, and then Jonas had to play. Um, you know, but you know, it was a concern. It was enough. Of, it was enough of a concern where the Jazz were like, "Okay, Jonas, you're probably going to be, you know, you're probably going to be the 13th guy or the 14th guy, and um, we know that you want to be a rotation guy, and we don't disagree with you. So we're just going to uh, go ahead and cut ties right now. Um, you know, so I think that." You know, I, I think that with the starting five, the starting five is secure in, 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 in what they know and in terms of what their role is going to be. I, I think it's going to be, you know, with with the uh, the second unit, I think there's going to be a lot of internal competition there because, you know, with Royce, Jay, Jay and Tabo, uh, there's going to be a lot of internal competition. But Tabo secure enough. Uh, and, and what he is that if he's not playing a lot, he's not going to make a lot of waves. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, with Howell and, and Alec, I mean, all of those guys have been guys that, that stayed ready, uh, and haven't really, um, and, and haven't really been, you know, issues, uh, within the locker room. So, you know, I think that this team is close knit enough and I think that this team wants to win enough, um, that, you know, I think that you hope that there's not too much frustration if guys who are capable of rotation players aren't playing a lot. Um, but I think it's going to be a unique spot for Quinn. I mean, he's got, you know, 13 uh, rotation players in actuality, and he's got nine spots to play him. So it's going to take um, a strong locker room for, for this team to, to really – uh, maintain that camaraderie that we saw uh, at the end of last year. 
Uh, let's go to Derek Favors. You probably were closer to him throughout the free agency process than anyone. You had a nice interview with him right beforehand. Uh, Mark Spears did as well, but you guys both did a nice job. Uh, he had a, It was a really interesting decision. It was... Do I go back to what I know in yet a lesser role where I have to actually where I, you know, in his mind has to sacrifice um, or do I go someplace new for a year, probably for less money, but maybe not don't win as much. But I get the ball and I get touches and I get to prove what I am. What, what did you learn from him through the process uh, and, and what did you see from Derek in this? You know, it was it's interesting because. You know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, me and Derek talked about, we had been talking about his free agency for a while um, before it actually happened. Um, and it, it was, it's funny because he would, you know, he would say, hey, you know, I don't, I don't mind coming back. I don't mind sacrificing. I just want to know that I'm appreciated. Um, and when we talk about appreciated, I mean, I think that, you know, you know, you show your appreciation financially. Um, and, and, you know, we sit back and we laugh about it. And, you know, and, and I think in hindsight, it's funny that that's exactly how uh, his free agency uh, went down with the Jets. You know, um, I think that he's very, uh, I think that his eyes are wide awake in, in the situation he's coming back to. He's going to play 25 to maybe 20, 28 minutes a game. Uh, he's there. He's probably 50% of the games this season. He's not going to be, uh, in the closing lineup. Um, but the jazz cost him, you know, probably more, a, a few million dollars more than he would have gotten anywhere else, uh, to, to, to make that sacrifice. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with Derek favors and the jazz, I think with both ways, they kind of realize like, hey, this is not a perfect marriage, um, but it's, you know, both sides are, are are getting a lot of what they need. I mean, the Jazz, you know, in terms of in, in terms of with Derek, I mean, it's, it's, it's very unique right now that an NBA team can put a bona fide rim protector on the floor for 48 minutes, and that's what the Jazz can do with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. Um, and, and with Derek Favors, I mean, he's going to – you know, he's probably a center anywhere else, but he wants to play power forward and he's a power and he can play power forward here. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, both sides uh, have, have done a really good job of making it work. Um, uh, you know, and I think that once that in the second half of the season, when both sides kind of found a rhythm to what his role was going to be, um, and, and the Jazz could still, um, get a lot of what they like out of Derek, but at the same time, uh, still put, you know, Jay Crowder on the floor in closing situations and, and still be able to spread the floor. Um, you know, I think that it, it made sense, uh, to try to keep this, uh, union together, uh, for, for another year. What do you, th- how do you think Derek changes as a player at all? I'll just say that again. How do you think Derek will change as a player at all? Well, I think that he's, you know, you saw at the end of last year that he got a little bit more comfortable shooting that corner three. Um, and I don't think that, I think that, you know, he'll, he'll still be, he'll be a little bit more comfortable, um, even, even still, um, next season. I think that he's going to, um, shoot that shot with a lot more, 
um, with a lot more confidence. Um, you know, so I think that 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 that's the major change that we'll see uh, him and him as a player. But you know, I think that you know he he's kind of uh, secure in what he is right now. I mean, he's 26, 27 years old. He's he's a terrific pick and roll big. Uh, he's he's a defender. Um, he can cut to the basket. And, you know, he's he's not going to post you up a ton um, in this system. Um, but he's going to be, you know, a, a very adequate starting power forward, and he's going to be maybe the best backup center in the league. So, you know, I, I think that uh, he's going to continue to 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 try to extend his range. Um, he has gotten a, a lot smaller um, during the off season. Uh, he's he's down to about two two fifty. Oh. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how he uh, how he figures it out, but I, I think that he's he's still trying to adapt um, um, within the system. Uh, the one thing I wonder, and I talked to Antonio Lang about this for a while, who probably should be mentioned in all this Derek Favor stuff because that relationship is so much at the core of Derek returning. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, with all the switching. I wonder if Derek has to bring back a post game. He's never had a particularly efficient post game. But can he have an efficient post game if the pick and roll is suddenly he and Donovan and they roll the two onto him and or the one in the case of however Donovan's playing and Derek is able to post down low now on a smaller guy and have success. That that would the the two thing the one thing Derek can do that Rudy really can't do is switch out on the floor well on defenders. We saw that in both the last two years in the playoffs in key moments. And now the question I think is with all the switching defense, if Derek can bring back some of that post game, which has never been something he fully developed. He didn't have it out of Georgia Tech, and it never got asked to do it in the NBA. Uh, that might be something that brings him a little bit of a different aspect to his game. Uh, thought thought on that before we before we move on. Well, I think that. You know, I think that it's a two-way street. I mean, I think that Derek's got to get an efficient post game, and I think that I think that the guards have to throw in the ball right. um, as well. I mean, I think that you know Derek at times felt a little frustrated that he would post up in the and and you know and and, and he wouldn't see see the basketball, um, you know. But when he does see the basketball, he has to be efficient with it. So I think that it's a two-way street. Um, you know, I think that, you know, as a big, he's like, okay, well, I'm open. I have a small on me, throw me the basketball. And I think that the guards are like, yeah, you're open, but when I throw you the basketball, I need you to score. Um, so I think that that relationship has to, to, to get a little stronger, um, uh, this season. And it'll be interesting to see if it does. Um, but, you know, you also have to ask your question, stuff this question. I mean, if Derek Favors has uh, a, a shooting guard pinned on him, you know, eight feet from the basket and he's posting up, um, but the guard, you know, the, but the jazz guard that's, that has the, the big that switched on him is, is Donovan Mitchell, what do you want? Do you want the ball in Derek Favors' hands in the post? Do you want Donovan Mitchell dancing on the perimeter? Uh, with 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 a bake on him, and and I'd probably choose Donovan Mitchell in that situation. It's a good point by Tony Jones. Don't tell him I said so, though. Well, that wraps up today's edition with Tony. He'll be back with us on our next edition of Locked On Jazz, talking Dante Exum, Grayson Allen, Year Two, Don, Donovan Mitchell, and more, all on Locked On Jazz.
More with Tony coming this week. We'll have parts two, three, four, five, and six as the week goes on. I'll talk with you again on Wednesday of this week. I'm not sure if we're dropping Thursday. We'll probably drop Thursday instead of Friday. We'll see. So I'll talk to you again on Wednesday this week. This is Locked on Jazz. Locked on NBA is still five days a week, so make sure you grab that, subscribe to that, or follow that as well. This is Locked on Jazz. Remember, you can get us on your smart speakers. Just tell them to play the Locked on Jazz podcast.